All right, so Genesis 1, 1 through 25. This is the word of the Lord. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. To rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. The grass withers, the flowers fade away, and the Bible says that you and I are like the grass and the flower that withers and fades away, but the Word of God stands forever. So let me pray for us before we look at it a little further. Heavenly Father, as we come to this, this text that uh, many of us might well in some ways be familiar with, uh, we, come to, we come to your Word and so we pray that, that you would be here with us. Lord, you're not only the author of your word, but we need you to be the teacher of it. Father, we know that if you don't show up by your Holy Spirit, then quite frankly, nothing good will happen here. But as we just read, you do good things. And so we pray that you would be here, that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our, our, our minds to know our hearts to believe, so that we might see you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Okay. You've probably had one uh, an experience like this. Uh, have you ever tried to dive into a television show, TV show of some sort, uh, in the middle of it of it airing, right? Like if you just if you're not watching The Walking Dead, uh, which you're missing out, by the way. If so this whole semester's tons of TV illustrations, you'll see why. So if you're not watching The Walking Dead and you s- decide to sit down and whatever we are, like season nine or I have no idea, but and you try to dive in and start watching it. Uh, you kind of know what's going to happen, right? You can begin to pick up some pieces and kind of figure out a little bit of what's going on, but you're going to have a lot of questions. You're going to wonder who the, you know, who, all right, so who is that guy again and what's his relationship to that person and, and, and why do they always try to... You're going to have a lot of questions. Maybe you've been on the flip side where somebody tried to watch a show with you and they just keep asking you those annoying questions. And like I said, you can begin to get a little of it, but... Really what you need to do, if you want to really grasp what's going on in the current episode, is do what? You need to go back and watch season one, right? You need to start at the beginning, right? Season one is the backstory. It's where everything started. Um, it's, where, it's where you're introduced to the main characters, the, the themes. You get the big idea. And so most of your questions are going to be taken care of when you go back and look at the beginning. It'll help you understand what's going on now. And so this semester, uh, every week that we're together here, we're going to be studying through uh, the book of Genesis. We're going to study through the first half of Genesis. And the reason we're going to do that is because I'm going to say, in a sense, Genesis is like season one of life. It's the backstory. It's the beginning. It's where it all started, right? And so if, if, if you and I want to understand our, what we're experiencing now, if you want to understand yourself better, if you want to understand who God is and what a relationship with Him is all about, uh, if you want to understand your, the world around you, um, the questions that you ask, even the, in a sense the sort of everyday questions of life, like, why is my roommate such a terrible person? <laughs> and why do we have so much trouble getting along? I guess that's funny because nobody has a bad roommate, right? Everybody's good. Um, Why are my parents always on my back? Why can I not get that person out of my mind since I saw them this morning? Um, Why can I not stop doing that, that, whatever it is for you, that you want to stop? Why can't you stop? That if if you and I, as we begin to want, if we want to find answers to those questions, I want to suggest to you that a great place to begin is to go back to season one, so to speak. Right? To go back to the beginning, to the backstory of everything, which is Genesis. And I think we'll begin to see that that will inform so much of what we experience here and now. All right, so that's sort of our intro of where we're heading and what we're doing for the semester. And so to sort of kind of dive into this first passage, sort of a, um, I guess introduction to this, this passage tonight, I want to kind of go a little further with that analogy, right? If Genesis is, the, uh, is sort of season one of, of all of life, then really this first part of Genesis, right, the, the first few, few verses are really like the pilot episode. This is like episode one of all of life, right? It introduces the main character of the whole thing. Has anybody watched the show Justified? 
Anybody? All right, raise them high because I want to know. I want to know who the coolest people in here are. Okay, right. There are four of you. All right, we'll talk after. Um, Justified, I don't know what, it's stopped running now, but okay, it's a great show. And I watched it this summer, and as I was thinking about this, uh, diving into the sermon, Justified popped into my mind. The opening scene is basically, you meet this Kentucky cowboy-looking United States Marshal. And he is having sort of this uh, uh, stare-down with this kind of gangster thug guy, this sort of low-life guy in Miami, um, this kind of crime boss. And he looks at him and he tells him, he says, you've got two minutes to get out of town or I'm going to shoot you. And so they, they stare down for a little bit. The bad guy reaches for his gun the cowboy U.S. Marshal reaches for his gun, beats him to the punch, punch, and shoots him and kills him. And so it's like the show right there in the first two minutes is saying, look, we want you to meet United States Marshal Raylan Givens. And here's what you need to know about Raylan. He's from Kentucky. He's cocky. He does things his way. He doesn't give a rip about what anybody else thinks. And he always shoots the bad guy and wins. That's the whole show. And it's awesome. Okay? And so you get right there in the very beginning. You get introduced to the main character and in some sense kind of the whole thing is summed up because you meet the main character and you find out who he is and what he's about. And I want to suggest to you that that's really what we get is maybe a you know, strange illustration as that is here in this first chapter of Genesis that we're getting introduced to the main character, so to speak, of life, which is, of course, God. The main idea here in this passage, right, look, there's all kinds of things that you could talk about from this passage, and and some of you might be somewhat unsatisfied as you leave here because we're really not going to talk about, so how, how long was creation? Was it seven days or six days? Was it how, you know? The main idea here that I want to suggest to you that we're going to look at tonight quickly is that God exists... And he creates. That's the main idea. That God is the main character of everything. He exists and he creates. And I want to look at that really in in sort of three ways. Uh, We're going to answer three questions. Who is God? What does God do? And thirdly, how does God do it? So first, who is God? And look, obviously that's an enormous question. You could do an entire sermon series forever on who is God. And we're going to try to sort of quickly say this in one point. But a handful of different aspects that you see in this passage. The first is this, that God has always existed. And I'm going to kind of cut to the end here real quick and tell you what what I'm trying to do with this first point about who is God. I just want you to see, I just want to sort of paint this picture that the scripture paints of the enormity of God, okay? The passage basically just tells us that God has always existed. Right? Interestingly enough, the Bible doesn't give you an argument for God or try to prove his existence. It just says he exists because he does. And there are plenty of other passages in Scripture that bear that out and say it very clearly. Psalm 90, for one, for you note-takers. And so I want you just for a second to let that sort of blow your mind. Because maybe you had not done that in a while, and it's kind of fun. To think about the fact that God has always been Always. 
Like before he created the world that we just read about, before that, he, he always was. Always. That he never started. He's just always existed. It's something that we, you can't wrap your mind around, really. But what an amazing thing. God has always existed. Second thing I want, I want you to see is that he's all-powerful. I mean, if you've grown up in the church, this is a story you know, that you've heard uh, you know, probably plenty of times. But try to hear it again for the first time, right? God created everything. And how did he do it? By talking. Right? What did God do? He said, did God, does it say God wanted light? So he went out and made light. No. He said, God said, let there be light. And there was light. He didn't go out and, you know, put it together. It just happened because he said, right? And did you catch, uh, where is it? In verse 16, I think this is amazing. As it's talking about uh, what all God has created in the, the, in the heavens. And then it says, um, basically, it's sort of a almost throwaway point. Oh, I'm not going to turn to it. Basically, almost as a throwaway point, And the stars. <laughs> God created everything by speaking. The, the, the heaven, the earth, oh yeah, and all the stars, right? Which we, you know, you can't even begin to number. And like, it seems like every day there's a new article about found a new planet, new whatever. The power that he has is astounding. It's mind-blowing. He's all-powerful. Um, he's personal, right? He exists in three persons. We're going to spend another week talking about that. And the last one I want to highlight is that God is good. Did you notice that uh, after basically every day he creates, and he basically steps back and he looks at what he's done, and he says, that is good. God has always existed. He is all-powerful. And he uses his existence and his power to do good. That's who he is. So what do you do with that? And look, this... This is what I said at the beginning, right? So often when we, you listen to a sermon and like, all right, so what's the application? What do I do? Here's what you do with that. Nothing. Here's what you can, here's what you go and do with the fact that God has always existed and all powerful and he's good. You don't do anything with it. You just experience it, right? You just be still and know that he is God. And that's what I want to do. I, for, for just the, these couple of minutes, I wanted to just sort of, almost like, I kind of had the picture of like kind of taking you by the hand and bringing you up to the edge of the Grand Canyon, right? And saying, just look. Because what, like, what do you do when you see something amazing like that? You don't do anything, right? You just, it just is. And it's amazing. And what I want you to see is that the, the main character of life it's not us. It's God. We tend to think it's us, right? Like, why wouldn't? Of course, the the everything revolves around the Earth. Why wouldn't it, right? And then we kind of realize, oh wait, maybe it doesn't. But that's our default that everything is about us. But what I want you to see is that the main character of everything is God. That He's the point. Yeah, what if we begin to see that the Bible and even our own lives is really not first and foremost about us? 
Because here, you have to see the enormity of God and realize that really everything is absolutely about Him. You have to see that first and foremost so that you'll see actually the, the beauty of the good news that He's going to bring and who He is. Right? Because when you come to a God that is that powerful and that existent, it makes you feel small, right? You begin to see, if you really take a real look at this God, you begin to find your place, which is not only just the, the world not center around me, nothing centers around me, right? Like standing in front of the Grand Canyon. Um, but what you'll, what you'll begin to find if you stay with us is that even though you and I are actually not the point, and that God is the point, that almost unbelievably, what this God does is he says, even though I am the point of everything, and you are very much not, I'm going to make, in a sense, my main focus, the point of everything, is you. You see that? And then really the front door to beginning to grasp that is seeing how much we don't deserve that. That it's really not about us. Because that's going to go on to affect how we think about the good news of Jesus, the gospel, right? We tend to want to make it really all about something about us. And the good news of the gospel is the same thing that we've been saying. He's the main character. It's really about what God's done. And we're going to flesh that out in just a minute. So what do we do? Nothing. But if we do need to talk in terms of like, okay, I know you said nothing, but like I'm a doer, right? Um, I came to Baylor because I'm a go-getter and I'm, I need an assignment. What do I do? Well, we could talk about it like this. I want, you to let, I want you to dwell on God's existence and let it break you. I, I read a story about a guy. He was, a, he was sort of this hotshot lawyer. He had everything, right? He had a great career. He had money. He had a family. He was a churchgoer. And, and, but basically, he went to church because it was just kind of the thing, you know, it was just kind of what you did. You know, he lived in the Bible Belt. It's just kind of what you did. And he'd been going his whole life. And the preacher that day was preaching on Genesis 1, 1 through 2. And as the preacher read those first two verses, it hit him. And he realized really for the first time that if this God exists, and since he exists, then he's in charge. Everything's about him, and yet I live my life like it's all about me. And those two things cannot go together. And he was really converted that day because he saw the enormity of God and it, in a good sense, broke him. And that's what I want you to see because if you find yourself in that position, it's actually a great place to be because of what we're about to say now. So we've seen just a tiny little bit about who God is. What does God do? Well, like we said, God creates. He creates something out of nothing. Right, verse 1, we read, God creates the heavens and the earth. Right? In other words, he created, he created the raw materials. And then it says that um, you know, the earth was without shape, without form, and it was void, right? And so you get the picture uh, that basically he's created the raw materials out of nothing. And yet now it's, it's this sort of wild, empty place. It's this sort of chaotic, disordered existence. And what does God do? He moves into that disordered state. 
He moves sort of into that chaos, if you will, and he begins to shape it. And he takes this sort of wild, unmanaged thing, and he brings beauty to it. He creates, and then he begins to shape. And what I want you to see is that what you see God doing in Genesis 1, because God never changes, is what what he always does. It's what he's doing now. God creates and he shapes. He takes things that are disordered and he makes them beautiful. It made me think about, I told you, TV illustrations for you know, the next like three and a half months. Um, the uh, cooking show, I don't watch any cooking shows, but you know, I've seen little snippets of the ones where they, they have the chefs that uh, are in competition with one another. Does anybody know a name of one? Like the, where they... Yes. There you go. Top Chef? Is that... Chop. Okay, whatever. Told you I didn't watch it. All right. So you've seen where they take, they take these chefs, these like world-class chefs, and they give them these like random lists of ingredients, right, that seem just nuts. Like, all right, and they say, all right, basically make the best thing you can. They give them like an orange peel and some sand and some vinegar and, you know, like an eggshell and, you know, some chocolate sauce or whatever. And they say, okay, you know, they give them all the same ingredients and they say, go, right? You got however long to do something. And they take those like crazy, seemingly chaotic list of ingredients, and at the end, man, they make this like beautiful dish, right? It actually is amazing. And that popped to mind because I think that's a little bit of, of what God does, right? He moves into sort of disordered, chaotic, uh, yeah, chaotic lives. And he makes them beautiful. He begins to shape. So what does that mean for us? Well, I'm willing to bet that you have, that you probably feel like your life is chaotic. You know, maybe you're a freshman, and we're glad you're here. You're a freshman, and you've been here for a week now. And yet you have already found yourself, that, that you've, you've already done something that you swore you would never do. And you've been here one week. And it's already gone haywire. And you feel like your life is just going in a million different directions. Or maybe that, that's not you, but you're a freshman, and now you're, you've kind of been dumped into this you know, somewhat strange place. You don't have a lot of friends, which is also why we're glad you're here. And, and life feels very much disordered. You're not even really sure where to go eat and where, where class... And, and it's going every direction. Or maybe you're an upperclassman and you're coming off a summer where you got away from your Christian friends because you went and did an internship somewhere and your life, you lived in a way in which you're not used to. You got involved with things that you normally wouldn't. And you feel like your life is this chaotic mess. Or maybe, last one, Maybe it's the exact opposite. That you're trying so hard to keep it all together. Keep all the trains running on time, all the plates spinning, right? Because this is Baylor, and and everybody seems, you know, everybody's very pretty and put together and got it together, and you're not, you're going to follow right in line. But you feel like your life is a chaotic mess of trying to keep those plates spinning. Trying to keep the facade up, right? I'm I'm a good person. I'm a good girl. I'm a good guy. What I want you to see is that the God that just exists 
moves into lives exactly like that, that's what he does. He moves into your life and he takes chaos and he begins to shape and bring order where there's not order. That's what God does. It's who he is. Now I'll say it may not look like what you want it to, but he takes, he moves into chaos, he moves toward it. How does he do it? We'll end with this. How does God do that? Well, we don't have time. First, he does it very personally. We don't have time to cover that. But secondly, he does it by his word. Now look, this is, this is loaded. We could talk about this for days. But like we said earlier, God spoke and it happened. He created, he shaped simply by his word. Now look, that, that's amazing in and of itself, right? Because you can't do that. I can't do that. We do, kind of do that with our kids. Like, what can you say and it happens, right? Like, nothing. Um, that would be amazing in and of itself, but we have even more information. The New Testament sheds a lot of light on that. Get this. This is, this is amazing. John 1, 1 through 3, tells us that in the beginning, that's how John starts out, in the beginning, sounds familiar, right, was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 goes on to say that the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's very clear that he's talking about Jesus Christ. Do you see, do you, do you see what's going on? The, the same Word, in some sense, that God used to create the heavens and the earth and to create you, which we'll look at in a, a week or two. That same Word in some sense, takes on flesh. And he comes to live on this earth. To continue exactly what we see him doing here. And what we said, he still does, right? He comes and he, he walks into disordered, chaotic lives to create and recreate. So what we see in the New Testament is, is the same thing. The Word entering into... into um, Entering into darkness. And this time it's, it's real, spiritual darkness. Right? Jesus, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, God, God's word comes again and he steps into the chaos. But he doesn't just come and step in and start sort of directing traffic. But what he does, what Jesus is all about, the same word, he comes and he steps into the chaos and he actually takes it on himself. Because he takes your place. He offers, the, the good news of the gospel is that the creative word, Jesus, shows up and he says, I will be you for you. I'll take the sin and the death that you deserve for all your chaotic living and I will take that on myself. I'll walk into it. And I'm going to give you all the righteousness, all the good stuff that I earned. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to bring order to your life. Romans 4.17, when it talks about God, says this. It talks about God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Right? He calls into existence things that don't exist. So that means that... That when Jesus comes into your life, and like I said, it may not look like what you want it to, but he brings life where there's death. 
And then he begins to shape so that, so that uh, when you look and find in yourself, you know what doesn't exist is a compassionate heart. What does exist is a heart that judges everybody. I walk across campus and all I do is judge everyone. Right? That God causes the things that do not exist to exist. That he steps into even that kind of chaos and he brings, he works to bring about more and more a heart that actually loves people. He, bring, he can bring about a will that actually can say no to sin. He can bring about a heart that actually loves. That actually loves God. Let me end with this last thought. How do you experience that? If you're here and you think, that sounds great, but okay, so what? Well, interestingly enough, you experience that in the Word of God. Right? The New Testament talks about, in a sense, two things as the Word of God. Jesus Christ, the Word incarnate, and itself. God's Word, the, the written Word. The Bible, right? The Word is the power. It's where we meet the Word incarnate, Jesus. And so I just want to end with an invitation. It's really a twofold invitation. First, I want you to know that Jesus invites you into that. He invites you to come and, and be a part of Him. He invites you to, to, for you to give Him your chaos. And He offers you that for free. And the second invitation is for you to come back to RUF. Because if where you meet this word incarnate is in the word written, then I would invite you to come back to a place. Put yourself in a place where every week we're going we're gonna to explore that. We're going to look at the Bible and see what it has to tell us. And look, if it's not here, that's okay. We want you to come back. But if it's not here, please do it somewhere. But we want to invite you back to do that here so that you can experience the, re- the creative and recreative power of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we have tread in waters that are so deep. And without your Holy Spirit, they are far too deep for us. But Father, thank you that you are good. Uh, we pray that, that your truth would begin to work on our hearts if it never has. That it would continue to work on the hearts of those uh, in which it has been at work for years so that we might know you and draw closer to you. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen.